Howdy, gang. Backcountry and Barbells. Joe Shamanic. Jeremy Day. Um, Backcountry and Barbells, guys. We're here to discuss all things train, hunt, and living. Um, and hopefully somewhere in this podcast, um, we hit on each of those and um, give you either something to ponder or something to do to improve them. Um, Jeremy, brother man, as always, you seem to um, you seem to be coming off a little bit of jet lag, a little traveling, and you're just flewing from Sacramento on some work. How are things going, man? It's going good. It's going really good. Thank you. I think the the worst thing about the traveling thing is the eating. I think it's not so much jet lag. Well, it's probably part jet lag, but then it's three days or four days of eating out constantly and trying to find the right food. And then I always feel hungover when I get back. Yeah, and it's I've, just like my sinuses. I, it's amazing how the food affects you in so many different ways, man. I just you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, I'm so bloated, and you feel like, ah. Oh. Even though I work out every day, you're just like, oh. Well, I think what's interesting about that is you had a you had a nice stretch where you weren't traveling, and it seemed like you got into a really good nutrition uh, program that you were seemed to kicking butt on. And then uh, you know it's funny how four days kind of kind of blew it up a little bit. So um, what what's the key to get back on track for you? Um, I just dive right back into eating healthy and, and you know, and I didn't eat bad. I salads every, every, uh, for a lunch meal, um, dinners, I kept, keep a lot of the, the, you know, I don't get, I don't buy cheeseburgers, hamburgers and French fries and all that stuff. I get steak and potatoes and vegetables, but they just put so much salt in sure. food at restaurants. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, just eating out of your own kitchen, you know, sometimes. And, and maybe it just speaks to the idea that, in as in most things, it's never the one thing. I'm sure you're not yeah. feeling down just because of the travel or just because of the food or just because of the stress of work. And, you know, and, and don't discount the fact that you did, you know, something that we do as modern humans that didn't really happen is, you know, if you wanted to go to Sacramento from uh, Gig Harbor, you know, 400 years ago you were on a wagon moving slow and the (laughs) the fact with that is your body acclimates in a different way so to just to just jump hundreds of miles via plane and to throw your body into a different petri dish also has an effect you know there's lots of little microbes and um, mini cultures and different things that you're interacting with and just going into the airport that you know, leave you susceptible to a bug. And then with the stress and the eat and this and that, you're just, you know, your guard's down. You know what I mean? So traveling's fun, but damn, man, it can be, it can be dangerous and taxing for, for, for all. Oh, absolutely. And plus we were in a car for, in three days, I think we we're in the car for 25 hours because we drove from Sacramento to Redding and then over to Eureka and then back over to Sacramento. And, but I'll tell you what was really cool. What I love about my job is the things I get to see. I got to drive through the redwood forest, and mm. holy smokes, I've never been there. But those redwoods, impressive, man. Those things are so beautiful. Do you remember last year um, around the same time going through Northern California, I had sent you that um, that velveted up elk I saw right by our car? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was right around um, – that was in a redwood forest. I don't know if it's the same one, but the wife and I had done a similar road trip where we had driven from Washington to San Diego and back. And on the way up, we had hit the, we had hit, you know, one redwood forest where you can drive uh, the one where you see where you can drive through the tree and then coming up, um, 
uh, we came through another forest when there was like an elk grove. Um, and uh, it was just a notable elk spot. And dang it, if there were, wasn't a large herd there. So, yeah, th- those are awesome woods, man. I mean, I saw the same herd, dude. Yeah, I've not, not in the field. No, I, where did you see them? <laughs> I, I, I was on that, it was on, off of Highway 101, right through that same redwood forest that you're talking about. Yeah. I, I bet you anything, because I've seen three herds. Yeah, and it's called like Elk Woods or Elk Grove, or it's the word. Yeah. Where I went, the word elk <clears throat> was in that field name. And they actually had a um, radio station where you could listen to updates on where the elk were and we tuned into it and we went and found them and it's it's pretty rad man i mean there's lots of things about california people discuss and i think i think um you hear about san francisco you hear about la you hear about san diego but i I think overlooked is how cool that northern landscape is in terms of this just the those redwoods and that coastal highway are beautiful oh man it was i never knew that part of california was so beautiful yeah pretty rad man um uh, and, it was pretty grooving and yeah you don't hear you don't hear um i guess there is some elk hunting there i mean uh you, you through through rogan's podcast you hear about him hunting on um Tahone ranch which is a giant ranch um where that holds elk and they do some hunting and um you know what i hear about california outdoor exploits usually revolve around things going on at Tahone ranch um people not hunting cougars um, how bears used to kill people in California, but man, you don't hear a lot about outdoorsmen doing much. It'd be interesting to to get an experience of a public land hunter in California, a guy trying to slug it out and make it happen. Because uh, with that kind of crazy topography, you got to think it holds animals. Yeah, I, I I didn't see one deer though, and I usually see a lot of deer on the driving through those yeah. kind of forests, but I did see the elk. I didn't see any bulls. I saw a bunch of cows, and I immediately thought of you because I knew you were out on your solo gig that day. <laughs> well, well, and I was like, <laughs> we'll get into, we'll, I know we'll get that yeah, we'll in get the it, future. But. Well, I did see some animals on my solo gig, and we'll get into my solo gig on another show. Um, but today, I, I do want to talk about our hunt together. Um, we, yeah. we got into a, um, You showed me a new unit um, here in Washington, which I thought was really cool, but I t- I'll tell you what's a really cool jumping in point. And, and you talk about traveling and you talk about being in your car a lot. Um, we, we maybe, we made a little mistake and we had to spend a little extra time in our vehicle. So if, if, if anything, you, if your back is anything like mine, it's a little sore even just this week and let alone you had to sit more time in the car. Um, we, uh, we, we got to our spot a little late and, you know, guess because you hadn't been there in a little while, things had changed a bit, and uh, camping turned into sleeping in the car, brother. I know, man. <laughs> <laughs> Our backpacking trip turned into a sleep at the car and add a couple of you know, we, we only added six miles per day on our hunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and it, it just goes to, sh- I mean, again, when you have this weekend warrior hunting style and you want to bounce around different things, you know, it just goes to, you know, do what you can to just do your due diligence on the spot. Because when, when we had showed up, there was some new signage up and in this particular um area they didn't want people camping where in the past they had so we had to make a call because we got there um after dark on friday night at around six o'clock because we had both decided you know we had things to do you dropped your kid off at the airport i was getting a little family time with my mom in town and picking out christmas trees but you know with with it being dark um the regs being slightly different than we thought they were going to be and then not being there for a long time yeah it's been like six years since i've been to that spot we were caught in a pickle and had to sleep in the cars 
<laughs> for, yeah, for the whole weekend. Well, and, and there's a reason we stayed in it for the whole weekend because we, we tried to turn a disadvantage into an advantage because the thought when getting there late was, well, we want to check this spot out. Yes. But we don't want to set up the full camp because if the spot's not a good spot and there's not elk sign this way if we don't set up camp we can just get the hell out of there well the problem is with that um that first day we saw a shit ton of sign and elk <laughs> <laughs> we sure did yeah so then so then we had then we were like okay let's just sleep in the car again you know what i mean so um you know and it, but to me i think that's the cool you know you hear things from artists and you hear things from people and you know people coming up and you know, again, that's to me the real fun where it's kind of miserable and shitty while you're in it. But then all of a sudden, like when you look back on it, you're like, you know, what, man, we made the best of it. And it was a pretty good time. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> it wasn't. That, that first bad. night was pretty bad because um, what did I tell you the next day? I looked at you and I said, I'm, I'm getting thinking it. about getting a hotel tonight. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, and then Cause the back of my truck was not that that back seat was not comfortable. Yeah, no, it was pretty cold, and you don't have a um a cab over the back of your truck, so it was like okay, you. And then I, I think a, here's a positive we can get from that. So two things we can give people: if you have to sleep in the back um, of a full cab uh, Silverado, we got a tip for you. And if you have to sleep in the uh, passenger seat <laughs> of a of a O four uh, Wrangler, um, I got a tip for you too. But um. If you only partly inflate your uh, sleeping pad, it gets pretty comfy in the back of that Silverado, don't it, Jeremy? Dude, that second <laughs> night, it was like night and day. I I, I even had dreams. <laughs> I, I even remember dreaming that night. Yeah. The first night, there was no dreaming. <laughs> well, in the first night, you had told me what you did, and you just slept back there in the back with the seat up. And I was just like, well, why? And you were talking about your pad didn't fit. And I'm just like, well, it's just kind of... Don't inflate it as much. And then you were like, well, yeah, too. If I don't inflate it, then I can fold it over and get a pillow. And it worked out. It worked out perfect. <laughs> so Jeremy was in his truck. <laughs> and uh, what I ended up doing was just sleeping in the um, the passenger side of my Jeep. So what I did was uh, if I, I uh, took the seat as far back as um, – I pushed it as far back as I could. And then I reclined it as far as I could. And um, I actually just crawled into my sleeping bag. I put my um, – I put my – I put my uncompadre first light puffy gear on and crawled into my sleeping bag, and uh, I was I was both nights snug as a bug in a rug. And um, I will say, I wasn't I wasn't flat, which wasn't you know I like to sleep flat. Or honestly, I'm a side sleeper. If you can imagine, um, this is going to sound weird, but I have a preferred sleeping position. If you can imagine, um, I optimally i like to put a pillow between my legs i lay on, uh -huh. i lay on my side and i have my um i have my bottom leg will be straight and my top leg will be kind of bent kind of like curled up in the fetal position if you can imagine and uh -huh. then i'll have a pillow i'll kind of hug a pillow and then I have a pi pillow under my ear like that sounds pretty that sounds pretty foo-foo and needy but you know, it's my house. I can sleep how I want. So get off <laughs> Damn my it, back. that's right. <laughs> but, I'm a three-pillow guy too, man. <laughs> well, and what that kind of sleep does, and this is the only problem I had with where I was sleeping in the Jeep, was it, it eliminates movement. So you can kind of just be comfortable and you don't move, right? So I have a, I have a tendency to, I don't want to say night terror, but like I'll jerk up really. Get, and then I'm a really light sleeper where I'll, um, 
well, this is not true. If I don't get into like deep sleep, I'm a light sleeper. But once I can get into a deep sleep, um, I'm pretty tough to deal with and wake up. But um, I'm only going to get there if I'm not moving a lot. So it's something I picked up from a book called The uh, Four Hour Body. Check it out from Tim Ferriss. He's got a chapter on sleep. Um, and I'm sure there's other folks out there that can get into this. But sleep's always been an issue for me. But um, the, my only issue with sleeping in the Jeep was because I couldn't kind of get on my side and recreate that, I was kind of tossing and turning. And, and kind of spinning in my chair. But to be honest, um, I slept pretty good, you know, being in the cold weather and in the Jeep and getting snuggled in like that. I mean, um, I, sleep, I don't think was my issue over that. It was, uh, it, it was cool to do and gave me to give me a little bit of confidence for the next one. Yeah. And it was, um, it was damn cold too. It was only 20. It got dropped down to 23, I think the first night and 30 the second night. Yeah. It's definitely the coldest it's been in Washington since I've been here. Um, uh, you know, I know we had that big snowfall, but I don't remember that snowfall last year being like cold. Right. Like it was almost bitter at moments that night. So, um, but, but it was cool. We've made the best of it. You know, we, we did our, um, we did our dehydrated meals, you know, I mean, we, you know what I mean? And, um, we forgot the tailgate party. Yeah, we forgot the bourbon again, <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've told you my stance on this. I always look at elk, you know, I'll go on a deer hunt and a turkey hunt, but uh, there's something about an elk hunt that just is like a work trip for me. You know what I mean? And well, I, yeah, I, well, you just put in a lot of miles. Yeah, it's, it's hard. You got to be alert. <clears throat> yeah, I might do a shot of bourbon before going out on a hike just to loosen things up. Just for, if it's a routine thing, and obviously that's a routine that worked for your bull. But you know, when I go into elk camp, the I don't think of getting hammered. No, yeah, because <laughs> I know I, the woods are going to hammer me. <laughs> exactly <laughs> you're gonna definitely get hammered one way or the other there yeah uh, but um it, it was it was fun to be honest with you i think i'll look back on that with as as tough as it you know driving in the dark and and a couple other things that happened at the end of the trip it, there was a lot of things that um happened that were kind of fun in the worst way i guess is the way to put it yeah yeah <laughs> i'll drive in driveway to driveway trying to find the right yeah road system to go up into where we're at because there's a bunch of private land around there and it's just the one road that's a sneaker road that you have to find yeah and honestly it was hard to find even bouncing in and out because you know you know i think one of these workman trip ideas especially for a guy like me like your wife is your wife's in a different place than mine is your your wife has 20 years of dealing with you being gone um this is one my wife's dealing with i never set a precedence for hunting and my wife hasn't seen me hunting. She's not used to me being gone like this, especially in an age where, you know, gone without cell services. She's just not comfortable with it. So even in the few instances where we did stay close to the car and drove out to the road to go, you know, make a call to the wife. But I, as, as much of a pain in the ass as that might be for anyone listening to this, I think that that afforded me another hunt a couple days later and will afford me hunts in the future but just making that effort to the little lady at home to give her a buzz that I'm cool um but I not only bring that up because that road was hard to find because when we went to do that and came back in we drove by a few times <laughs> twice <laughs> yeah and we're not telling you the road folks or the unit um we're not going to go that far but maybe maybe we'll DM if you DM us you know give us give us a you know, maybe maybe review the podcast and we'll tell you a little bit more about the spot. But um but uh 
it was a hard to find road and and two things that happened one we i think it's any workman hunter uh workday hunter who's just trying to sneak in a weekend trip two things one um do your due diligence um get to the spot that you know um try and stay in contact you know with loved ones but um the big one that really paid out in our favor was just as much as it sucked to sleep in the jeep getting there early really did pay off because at about at about 502 um another another truck did find that road and tried to come up into the spot and, and they quick turned around seeing our seeing our rigs yeah we were up and out it getting ready to head up the the road system and it it deterred them yeah cuz yeah, the, some of those areas, you know, you get behind a gate and it's a one road system and you're hitting several clear cuts, but there's not a lot of room for a whole bunch of hunters. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, that like you always say, that early bird gets the worm and in this incident it did. So let's let's play even devil's advocate with our spot. And this didn't happen to us, but it might be an interesting lesson, uh, <clears throat> thought experiment, I guess, for either of us and anyone listening. Let's say we were in the other <clears throat> shoes of those guys. Let's say we were in those guys' shoes and let's say things were too cold for us and for whatever reason we... Um, you know, we, we kind of, um, we were weak minded, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And we did get the hotel room that first night, but then we drove up into that spot at five Oh five and there were other dudes packing in. What, what would we have done? I, I'd still pack in, in that and then follow them up or go up the different, yeah, well, there were two gates, right? There's two gates and, yeah. and, and, and so we could have taken the other gate and then followed that up and then hit some other different clear cuts and then hit timber. Or you just, the hope is you just bump into them and you just talk and get a strategic plan and say, hey, where are yeah. you guys going? Let's let's kind of work together because sometimes in late season, the best thing to do is really get them up and moving and push them around and bump them. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that didn't happen, which I, I was intrigued by. And, and that's actually, I'm glad you said that because that's exactly where I wanted to take the conversation. I, th- I really would have liked it if if hunters had more of that mentality, not to go, oh, shit, those assholes are there first, but yeah. but rather say, oh, hey, fellas, where are you going? You know what I mean? Because, yeah, it's a spot. And yeah, we're kind of competing against each other. But to be honest, if I saw guys packing out a bull, I'd be, I'd high five them and and say, hey, that's another another team for another win for Team Human, you know. But honestly, you know, I of course I'd be a little jealous, you know. That's well, that's, that's just natural. that's the way it is. But I, I I it would have been cool to just even for me who's so new to this two years in and still learning, it would have been cool to just see what other guys were thinking about the same spot and then just maybe bump into him. Because even later in the hunt, we ran into two hunters and had great information. We had a great conversation. We talked a little junk about where we lived, where we came from, and even traded some secrets about the spot. So there's, I think there's something beneficial to, to not being afraid to just say, Hey fellas, rather than damn it, my hunts ruined those sons of, those sons of butchers got there before me. You know, why not just get out the truck and be like, hey, boys, um, what's up? We, 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 you know, we're, we're, we're traveling far. We're packing light, and our idea was to hunt here, but you obviously hear first. You got first pickings. What do you think? And we'll try and go opposite. I mean, is that something that, that is fair to do? 
I I think so. I mean, I I tackle it that way all the time when I come up and talk yeah. to people. I mean, you see me, I'll talk to every stinking hunter. I'll flag them down and chase them down and ask them. Yeah, talk one, to them. one of the reasons I thought this podcast would be a good idea. You got that gift of gap, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm not scared yeah. to tell them my spots and the elk I seen and all that stuff because at the end of the day the success rate is still 10% and if I could share information with them and they share information with us at the end of the day if we're all more we could create be you know more successful and be part of that 10% that's the goal right yeah i mean and so like if if i was there those guys pulled up they turned around and and which was very respectful that they they pulled out and they said okay we're going to go to a different area me, I'd have pulled up next to the trucks. I would have talked to the guys and you know got a feel from them if it was okay. We hunt this out here, and then ask permission if we could come down and do this and do that, and let them know what we're going to do. And then if they said no, then gosh, then you got to go find another spot. Yeah, I mean there is a bit of a finders keepers or first guy thing, right? So yeah, and back in our days of when I was a rifle hunter and we hunted nothing but clear cuts over in the Saddle Mountain Range in in Oregon. There would be guys, I mean, you would be parked, you would literally have to get there at 5 in the morning, sun doesn't come up till 6.45, and you'd have to literally block the road of a clear cut to go in there so that nobody else would get there. And there were several times where guys in big trucks would just go right around you, go in the ditch, and come around just so they can get in that clear cut first. Mm. And, and it's just such a combat way of hunting, and it's just, yeah, there's I, no reason for it. And I almost... Rifle hunting is a little bit more interesting in that regard, and I can almost see it because, for one, if we had rifles when we were out, we could have killed uh, five animals. We could have killed three elk and uh, <laughs> and and two blacktail. I mean, not to not to just allude to what we're going to talk about in this episode, but we saw animals, and if we were rifle hunters, we could have killed them um, and made a great harvest um, if we had all those tags. Yeah, several times. Um, yeah, but um, but I guess I can see that a little bit with you can be a little bit more territorial in a grand scale with rifle hunting because your range is so much bigger. Yeah, and I guess with archery you can be a little bit more, um, almost suburban about it, where your neighbors are closer because you are hunting smaller patches because your shooting range is so much smaller. Does that make sense? I'm just, oh, yeah, I'm just absolutely. trying to think it out loud. So, but yeah, yeah, no, you got you got a lot more distance you can yeah. shoot with the rifle, so it gets a little more competitive because yeah. he who gets at the clear cut first, and I mean it's that first twenty thirty minutes of light that you're trying to catch an elk in the clear cuts because then they kind of will escape into the woods a lot of times, especially rifle hunting. Well, and that so. and, yeah, I and, and honestly, and it happens in archery hunting too. I mean, if you, uh, um. Uh, I followed a couple of the YouTube series and um, Corey Jacobson's Destination Elk. It there was a there was they caught it on tape where um, Donnie was putting a stalk on a nice bull and um, another hunter on their shoot shot that bull right out from under him. So it happens. <laughs> oh yeah, it definitely happens. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, and, and I have a story about my solo hunt where sometimes it's not just a another hunter that. Uh, that that blows your hunt up so we'll talk about that but uh, but yeah so we and that and that kind of jumps right into it i think folks want to hear a little bit about maybe um the hunt and the animals we saw and um um i thought it got off to a really interesting start um you know a few uh, you know less than an hour into our hunt as the sun started coming up we had caught glimpse of a of a of a of a bit of two nice 
heads of of elk, uh, nice nice size herds across the road on private, and it looked like one of them was was trying to cross it to come over into into the state land we were in. Um, but they, yeah, they, they, just they didn't definitely make were. <laughs> what I want to talk about though is. Um, there was an interesting scenario with that herb that, that heard. Um, we, we heard two shots off in the distance, and then all of a sudden we saw the herd, and then in the back there were two there was one limping pretty good. Now yeah, real bad. the speculation is two things on our end. One, did it get hit by a car? Um, two, did a farmer just f- or somebody throw the shots in the air to scare the herd, or did you know, worst case, did did someone, you know, take a shot on one when they weren't supposed to? Yeah, I'm, the way the thing was acting, it was like it, it had been hurt for a while because it was grazing. It was doing a thing. It looked like a front shoulder. Yeah. It didn't look like, <clears throat> excuse me, something that just happened because otherwise I think that those elk would have scattered. Would have been hightailing out of there a little yeah. quicker. And the, and the thing that I would want to get into if this herd is, and this has been my theme for this year's elk season. I know in our previous con. Uh, podcast I talked about leaving things in the woods but I'm telling you my new theme is is how the heck are elk such good hiders because <laughs> <laughs> I ain't playing hide and, I guess I am playing hide and seek with elk and it sucks and I've I'm coming out I'm zero elk or infinity that's the score right now but even that herd that we saw we saw them graze a field 30 elk let's just we'll call it 30 I saw their you could you could see their giant track and how they tore this land up from about you know we were about a mile away who knows how far we are we had binos up but we saw them but you could see the highway they had left in that pasture but the crazy part is they were all in this little clear cut right by the highway a uh, truck drives by him guy gets out of the truck and he's messing with them for some reason I don't know what he was doing but then all of a sudden they all disappeared every damn one of them I don't know where the hell they went I couldn't believe it. <laughs> they disappeared, and there wasn't much place for them to disappear. And I'm like, "What the? What is this? What magic do they conjure up?" And um, the funny part was, we started, you know, and then you made the comment, "We can watch elk or we can hunt elk." And um, we started, we started, <laughs> mop, and I was, I'll tell you what, I was hard torn to leave. You, you took ten steps, I took three and looked back. You took twenty <laughs> steps, I took one more and looked back. The funny part was, as I looked back. The elk reappeared again, yeah. and uh, they're elusive critters, man, and they're fun to watch. Even that little spot, just getting an eye on that herd to watch them behave a little bit, and you can really see in a large herd how the cows work together. You know, one looks here, one looks there. You got guys in the back; they put the little ones in the middle. You know, it's it's real. There, there's a there's a group dynamic that um, when the cows are together. That's really cool to watch. They really do have a um, there's a bond there. There's there's a there's a real team mentality, and whether they're communicating it or whether it's just all off instinct, um, it's it's cool to see. Yeah, it's fun to watch. So that way, enjoy it. Yeah, we did. They didn't cross the damn road, and we didn't kill one. So there's 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 part one of the story. There's part one. <laughs> so, so after now. Um, Maybe you take lead us to the next spot. What happened the rest? Of, what happened the next part of the day? What's what's chapter? What's chapter two in elk sighting? Because we did the prelude. The prelude in this story was sleeping in the jeep and getting there a little later than we thought. Uh, chapter one, we saw the herd not cross the road. <laughs> chapter two, sir. Yeah, chapter two is we were walking down. Um, there was a perfect 
perfect hiding timber for an elk that was, uh, I don't know, it was probably a 10-year reprod, 8-year reprod, but it was pretty open. You know, you could see into it pretty well. And so we got over there, and we were kind of hanging out, and then we can hear a noise down below us. So we decided to go over, sit down, find a spot to kind of sit and listen. And we called a little bit to see if we could pull something in. You know, like I said, I called cows in quite a few times in the late season. So we just did a little rendition there. I climbed up a pretty cool little tree that somebody had um, cut a bunch of steps in it. And I got up about 12, 14 feet in the air and tried to see if I couldn't see anything. But so we hung out there for a little bit and then we thought, oh, well, maybe we'll come back. Um, we've got a lot of clear cuts to go through. Cause, well, uh, and know. we heard a bunch there. Like we heard yeah. something <laughs> tinkering through the big timber um, and it was kind of faint and it, it sounded like it was moving away from us. But the real intriguing thing was we got a bit of a snort at us. Yeah. yeah we had a deer snort. <laughs> it was like, it was just a, and I thought you yeah, sneezed maybe. and I looked at you and I said, and the, actually, the funny thing is, the first thought in my mind was, "How did you sneeze over there, and now you're over here?" That's that was my I'm a ninja, fir- bro. <laughs> yeah, that was my first thought. But um, and I think what'll be really cool is when we come back to maybe later chapters in the story about. I th- I think we have That's an fine. idea of what we heard both times. Yes. And I don't know if this is a good time to jump ahead in the story, or no. I think they just need to hang. Oh, just hang and tight. Finish our story. Let's let's do this <laughs> okay. in what is it chronological form? We'll go in chronological order. Okay, so yeah. you're playing. So we're in this spot. You're climbing trees. We're we're glassing up things. I even had some Iconikes, which is by the way, um, that's my creature comfort that I like to take into camp. Um, I'm trying to get off the red man because I didn't bring my pouch of chew. If you noticed. I know, I did notice that. I'm on a dental kick. I went to the dentist not too long ago, and it was um, I had no cavities, and I really took it to heart because I've my thing this time was to floss and brush much more, and I did. And then when she told me I had done a good job, I was like, oh, I want to do a really good job now. So I'm even laying off off the off the red man. So um, I don't know if Mike and Ike's much better though, but man, they they really <laughs> they really perk me up on a long cold trail. I ain't gonna lie to you. They're yeah. Awesome. And the, and- <laughs> And the good thing about those were it took you about an hour to chew them because they were so freaking frozen. Yeah, you kind of suck on them, a little, little tart, a little sugar, to get you a little boost. But it was it was enough of a boost to get us going into the, to the next spot. So um, Yeah, yeah. So we headed back. Uh, nothing, you know, came about. And so we thought we'd just move on, head to the other clear cuts. And as we're walking, we see a track in the road. Mm. And so we're like... Looked like maybe we just spooked an elk, or there was it. It, it definitely had crossed the road. So oh, we, that was that funny little scrape. We just because we had yeah. walked by it, and I kind of hung back. I was like, "Hey, man, we we think of this track." Exactly. You spotted it, and then we started looking around, tracked it down a little bit, saw what direction he was going, and it was just a one lone elk. So we decided to jump in the woods right there and, and head into the timber. And then we were going to kind of wrap around back to the spot where we heard the noise, um, the Mike and hike area. And then so we get up to this ridge and it just looked too good once we got out of that creek drainage. So we it's ended beautiful. up beautiful. Old timber. I mean, oh, and yeah, you could it's... tell the elk were in there. I mean, oh, yeah. And that's what's funny, too. Like, you know, you can, if you would have asked me four years ago, had he known elks there, I would say, I don't know. 
And even now, I would tell you, I don't really know how to describe it. But when you're in a spot that's elky, you just know it. And this is even without finding a bunch of like deer, you know, a bunch, excuse me, a bunch of elk scat and and elk shit around. Like you, you can tell when an elk are tearing up an area. They're just heavy footed. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there's certain kind of beds that they do in that big, thick, um, piney timber. So you could, uh, and there's a lot of trail systems, right? Yes. Travel corridors. And so we decided to head over, kind of just follow those trail, that track, which we did for a while. And then, of course, you lose it because the forest is so dense. And then um, we got to another spot that looked, I was like, man, that's a nice road and it went towards another clear cut so we headed in that direction and then you can kind of take over from there well i think what you're missing is we did see about six elk in that timber yeah that was when yeah so that's when uh, you had gone left i had gone right in that timber and we could kind of had eyes on a clear cut and you had waved me over hey 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 and um, I came on over to you, and I heard the they were they were on the move, and we had come to find out later, um, talking to those hunters uh, the second day that we had bumped across that um, he had actually put the stalk on that same group that you had just caught eyes on right at it about the same damn time. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it seemed it was. <laughs> like we had you know, and how amazing is that, right? And just as we were putting the time together, because I remember after we had jumped that herd or. Cause we didn't jump them cause the wind was good. We didn't, we weren't making really any noise, but they, something spooked them up. Um, I remember you said, give them an hour. And then I looked at my phone and it was 1114. And in my head, I thought, let's wait till noon. But before I could even say, wait till noon, you said, screw it. Let's go get them. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it, it was, we did what we did, but we tried to get on their track. But the, the crazy part about, again, going back to the first story and seeing 30 elk disappear, those, um, you identified six when we had talked to the guys early later in the week, how many did he say he saw eight or nine? He said nine. Yeah. He said nine. And but, my gut feeling was there's about 10. <laughs> yeah. Maybe whatever it might have wise well have been a hundred because what had happened was, as we came out of the road to then because we had some options. We could have come out of the road. We could have bounced into the clear cut and picked up their trail. But um, it seemed like no matter what we did, we just couldn't pick up that group. No, no nothing. It was, it, it blew my mind. Yeah, they are sneaky old critters. Um, you know, kind of like the prom queen. You know what I mean? If, if you get her in your grips, you might as well hold on tight. Um, <laughs> don't let her go. Um, and... In that one, again, another really close call. Um, really interesting. But I think in the third the, the third spot when we had come across, so after we had bounced out of there, we'd look to the road to see. We went up to the road to see if we could see them have crossed the road. Then we yeah. went back into the clear cut in the timber to see if we couldn't pick up their track. And then when that kind of seemed like that story was over, we just went back to road hunting and, and went and checked out and sat on a bunch of other clear cuts. And um, there was one spot after we had come down, um, and you kind of peered at a little fringe area and all of a sudden you stopped and said, holy shit, there's two elk. And I, I got all fired up and, and this is the one where they were on the fringe in that really deep clear cut, which with that nice fringe, which really to me that discusses, and again, I'll get into this idea of, I don't know if it's good instincts, 
or they're smart. Um, I can't believe they're smart. I, I just think that they really have a trust in what they're doing. I just don't, I just can't believe they thoughtfully make decisions with consciousness. Right. <laughs> it's just, I'm not going to go there. But they have unbelievable instincts to find good spots or know where they're protected because where these two elk, it was a calf feeding, and the calf's the one that gave them up, I think. Yeah, because it was you, a big calf. You could, yeah, it was, how old, maybe two, two year old? I think it was just a, I think it was a one and a half, yeah, a little over one and a half years old. And, and But as sneaky as they are, when their head's down and they're feeding, if you can find their ass, it gives them away. Yeah. Because that's what we saw. We saw the, the calf's butt kind of just up in the air feeding. And then you look a little bit away from the calf and there's mama elk bedded down against a tree. And she was bedded <clears throat> right into some, she was bedded against, she was bedded against like, a group of alders. Um, she had a really steep, um, the steep, a very steep slope of the clear cut behind her, and she had her, she had her head face in one direct. We couldn't see her head, but she had her nose into the wind, and her back and sight could very quickly be into the clear cut. Like she had built up a nice little hidey hole for herself where she was really. Yeah, protected. she could she could look into the timber and smell whatever was in the clear cut because of the wind direction. So she, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> she positioned herself really well to look into the clear cut and have her back to the, look into the timber and have her back to the clear cut because the wind was coming towards her via through the clear cut. But and and two, what was I thought cool about that scenario was you <clears throat> could see like this was mom letting, you know, her little calf do its thing. Go learn something. You go. Yeah. And and the other thing that was interesting about I don't know if the elk knew this, but that clear cut was dried out. As wet as it's been and cold as it's been, that clear cut was dried out because wherever we had went to kind of put a move on this elk, which when I had ranged it was about 147 yards away, um, with a really steep slope. Um, wherever we had stepped, it was really crunchy. So not only was she protected by you know, the grand scale of the elements around her, you know, the, the micro steps were just impossible to take. You couldn't, you couldn't put a move on her without making noise. No. And just to be clear to everybody, we couldn't tell, we, we couldn't tell that it was a calf at first. At first we were like, well, you could tell they were two different size elk, but oh, the yeah. way mom was bedded down. And then, so we decided to put the hunt on it cause we thought it was two, just two elk at the time. Yeah. So su- no, yeah. Super interesting. Um, and then, and honestly, I think we thought more it was a calf after the fact because we saw the tracks too later that week. We well, I watched them get up. Oh, you saw them get up. I saw them get up and leave. Um, because you went and put the stock on them, and I sat there and watched. And um, you were going to drop down, head around, come down from the top, and then I think they they definitely winded you because mom. Well, mom got up started dinking around and kept licking her backside like for five, 10 minutes. It's like, what is she doing? Yeah. Anyway, she started making her way into the clear cut and then she put her nose in the air and then she turned around and then the, then the other cows stood up right next to her and then I could see, okay, calf cow. So maybe it's good that this got, you know, that well, we bumped and, them. And and to to your it. credit, you blew it off because I had gone, we had decided I was going to, so it was a nice bowl so I went behind the bowl and kind of dropped on the other side of the ridge to use the ridge's cover 
to hope that the noise would be kind of buffered a bit. And I kind of, to long story short, I'm trying to trying to take the long way around. And what what why I want to why I want to bring this up and don't discount how hard it is to do that um, because yeah. it was amazing to me. I the thought was I'll always see you. I I had this whole idea in my mind. I'll keep this as a marker so I know where I am. And as I got like into slugging through that shit show, <laughs> um, it wasn't too long before I lost track of where I was, and I was actually stalking in the wrong direction for a little bit and i probably yeah you're added, in a different drainage yeah i was in it yeah and then all of a sudden i kind of got vertigo when i saw where you were and i freaked out for a minute i was like whoa where the hell did i just go you know what i mean so it was pretty that was really interesting man so i would just say do your due diligence before you go on a stalk like that and just know what's going on because man you can get i wasn't lost in the woods but i can see how it happens yeah, you're turned around a little bit. Yeah, if I was on a solo hunt there and and not really known what's going on, um, it would have been bad, man. I would have gone, you know, you know, thank goodness for on X, I would have fixed it pretty quick, but I was off in the wrong direction. But you know, you had called off the hunt, obviously you saw what was going on and you waved me up and uh, that was super exciting though. And to be honest, we thought that was the end of the day. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, so we kind of licked our wounds. We had, <laughs> we had, you know, to be honest, we saw a lot of animals, and we we had three opportunities, and um, two of them were huntable. One of them was really huntable, and um, I was trying to tell my wife, like, man, it, there's a cool thing when you go onto a stalk where you think life or death matters, and every step mattering is just a really cool experience. Yeah, you get in that zone, like we've talked about earlier in earlier podcasts, how you just kind of just, it's a weird, different kind of focus. You forget about everything. You dial in, man. It's really cool. Yeah. Every step matters. And you, you take a step and you break a twig and you, you know, your, your butthole kind of puckers up. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you I look up around yeah. and you're like, there's a whole different bit of alertness that you get into. That, that's why I love the spot and stock method. So um, after that, we had decided to um, we decided, hey, you know, it's getting dark. We we might have this option where we're thinking of moving camp um, and camping in and doing the backpacking thing. You know, let's start walking back. So we started heading back, but you know, obviously we were walking and talking the roads. And I would say right now um, it's probably about three thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, that was three thirty. And we're kind of coming to that spot where you climbed the tree. Um, maybe the first clear cut we were kind of tinkering in where we heard the deer snort and we kind of heard some rustling in the brush. And, and to even go back to that first part of the story, we, you know, you you made the point, you know what, man, it's going to be tough to get in there. The wind's swirling. That thing, whatever it is, seems comfortable. Let's just let it be. And if it's there, it's there. And the crazy part was, is we we kind of headed back in that direction without thinking about going in that direction or thinking about hunting. But as we turned the corner and looked across that clear cut, you know, probably about 300 yards away on the opposite side of that clear cut, there's a damn four by four bull. Yeah. Legal. <laughs> and the, the seeing, seeing <laughs> this bull was cool for me because, um, it was the first time I've been on a hunt with you and I saw the animal first. 
<laughs> I was fired up for that. <laughs> yeah, so, you were. So I was doing pretty good. I, f- I found a track that got you excited and put us on a hunt. So there was a win for the new guy. And then seeing a bull before you, though, I ain't going to lie to you. That was a win for me, man. I was pumped up. Yeah, that was awesome. Now, it was a bull Any it was a bull Mike Mason could have seen. Uh, it didn't take much effort, but again, he was, he was kind of in that, he was in that, um, he was in that kind of, uh, reprod. How old do you think? Six year old, eight year old growth. Yeah, it was eight or eight or 10. Yeah, and he it was, was pretty tall. He was feeding and he honestly put the stare on us. And, uh, oh yeah, he's seen us on that road, man. That yeah. was pretty amazing. And he just looked at us and, and I forget what the conversation was, but it was something like, you stay here. I'm going to go get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I st- I go, okay, I'll, I'll keep an eye on it. Yeah, you kept an eye on it. And I just, um, the cool part about the road was it kind of looped around in a big circle around to kind of a patch of timber where he was. Um, but again, it was getting too dark. And where I, when I got to the spot where the where I thought I was like on the same line with him, probably about 100 yards away is your estimation as you were watching. Um, it just couldn't, I couldn't get into him. It was pretty, it was a pretty deep drop off. And then we would have to drop in, come back up and with him having through the, through the clear cut uh, it was pretty thick right through that section and considering he already saw us the thought was okay he saw us and didn't freak out we can put the hunt on him tomorrow right and then the interesting part about that was again we thought the hunt was over <laughs> and we go and head back to the truck and um you can tell this part so we're walking through. The, what time the is first... this now? This is like what? This is. F- we want to say. This is four o'clock now. By the time we got to this yeah, like, spot, four fifteen, maybe even four thirty-four ish. Yeah, you're right because <laughs> it was it was barely legal shooting time. It was as close to legal shooting or not as you could be. Yeah, is what I would call it as. Yeah, not to talk <laughs> shit. Like seriously, like it was a. You continue, and we'll we'll kind of debate the the semantics in a moment okay so it it, so we go to the clear cut where we earlier had talked about seeing the head of 30 elk and we're sitting there glassing them and watching them for a while so we're walking down the road and i i look over and i go well there's a bull elk right there (laughs) 30 yards away (laughs) 30 yards away well we thought 60 but it was so and again this is the maybe the discussion about shooting like mattering we we judged it at thirty the next day, but in the instance we thought it was a little further, fifty or yeah. sixty, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. And it was a nice. It was either a five by five or a six by six bull. It was a big antlered bull. Well, and then the interesting part about that was when we had saw it, it was kind of like frontal, completely frontal at us. It was yeah. kind of head down feeding, and I went behind a um a tra- a thrash pile, and I couldn't see it. And then I took in another steps, and all I could see was its, um, all I could see was its antlers, its its main beams way up in the air. And the only thing I could see, Jeremy, to be perfectly honest with you, was just its main beam and the two points at the top. And we were in a three point or better. Two things: it was dark, ish. <laughs> yeah. And I honestly couldn't identify three points. I could have assumed and guessed but then also to be honest it's again it's amazing um being i just couldn't there were no there were there was no no sign of the vitals and then this is when he looked at you looked at me looked at you looked at me and he was off 
Yeah, and then he bounced out. He's like, this is too much. <laughs> yeah, it is amazing, though. I mean, um, it, it, I guess it speaks to a lot of things. There's debates about shooting light and stuff and, and whatnot, but, you know, uh, it, 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 it also speaks to the fact that hunting, as we kind of tie up day one and, and kind of uh, end the podcast, and we'll get into day two where we got into some block tail on the next one, but to me it just really speaks to you never know what a day's going to be like and you never know which step is going to matter most, I guess. Yeah, exactly. You got to stay alert the whole time. Yeah. I mean, because it's crazy on that second bull, we were BSing down the road. I mean, we were like, day is over. Because it was getting dark. We were being super quiet. I mean, we were still kind of half whispering. Yeah. And then, then we come around that bend, and then there's that bull just standing there. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, we were talking shit about what we were going to do the next day. Are we leaving? Yeah. Are we staying? How do we put the hunt on that? four by four oh you know are we going to go after you know um those cows we saw i mean that was are we going to hit that timber we were mapping out today because and it would have been perfect because it was only about a half mile from where we had set up the jeeps in the in the truck you know what i mean yeah exactly um it was a cool experience it was a really fun late season hunt and i'll be honest you know when you talk late season i'm really starting to fall in love with it and um that hunt that we went on for one seeing all the animals and getting into it and two, my the solo venture I went on that we'll talk about. But to be honest, I think the late season hunt is a great hunt for the weekend warrior workman or even the guy who, like I did, who's going to just take a day off work with a leave day and spend a day in the woods. And I think it makes perfect sense because the days are shorter. Your, yeah. your time's more concentrated. You know, it makes you dial in your effort. You know what I mean? And and. You can get into these cool spot and stalk moments, which we had plenty of that day. But, man, I think anyone who's weekend warring in it and, and you can only put a couple days. And, yeah, if the opportunities matter and they might not be there. And I think we were super blessed to have that many encounters on a day. And, you know, you could also look at it from one point and say, we, you know, it was a, it was a loss because we didn't get one. But I learned a ton. Um, and I am really... I am really considering putting more and more effort into late season um, tactics because it just seems to suit. Um, it just seems to suit the schedule and the guy who only has limited time more because the time is limited and that doesn't make sense maybe, but because of the concentration of time, I just think it. It by limiting your options, you have more options. Well, right, and you can put it. It's a lot easier to put in nine hours of 100% effort than it is for putting in 12 or 14 hours of 100% effort. Well, yeah, and the cool part is even, you know, even to just talk a little bit about my solo hunt that I did, which was a little bit of a closer spot. You know, the spot that we had done was about three hours from my house, and then the spot that I had done by myself was about 90 minutes. But the cool part about that was, like, you know, I left the house at 4.45, got to the spot an hour before, before sunlight, and then I was home before my wife was. You know yeah, what I mean? that's awesome. <laughs> so, and I put a full day in, right? You know what I mean? So it's super interesting. But um, that that's a takeaway for me. Like this late season stuff, I'm really starting to enjoy it the more I do it. Well, yeah, and it's a great option for guys that are from, in my opinion, out of state and they get an archery tag for the early season and then – then they can come back for this late season and you don't have to sleep in your car. I mean, there's hotels. I mean, we've done it to where we've stayed in hotels yeah. and then just drive into the spot every day, but it's a good opportunity to have a, a 
it's a great opportunity to have a second chance at getting meat for the freezer. Well, that's where I am. You know what I mean? Because a lot of the and like, like you said, Joe, you're going to learn so much because you're forced to spot and stock versus yeah. early season. It's call, call, yeah. call, locate. It's a calling strategy, and, and some of the time we're doing a spot and stock, but now you're 100% concentrating on a spot and stock. Yeah, which I think puts you into a situation where you're more trying to identify animal behavior than to just piss them off and find them. Yeah, you know exactly. It's one thing to pick a fight with somebody. It's another thing to befriend an enemy, and you know what I mean? Like, and then I, th- I guess that's where the spot with late season hunting is. Like I'm, I'm learning quite a bit and it's great fun to get out in the woods and, um, th- there's more to talk about. There's an, there's another day to discuss the hunt that was, you know, to, to kind of, um, to hint on it. it, it involves much, 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 much less elk and, um, a little bit more about blacktail, which was pretty cool. Cause, um, for me as a, as a new hunter, it was not to, it was, it was cool for me to pay something a little bit forward to you, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes any yeah, sense. Because I, I only had a deer tag. Yeah, so Jeremy had a deer tag. So we'll talk more about that in the next one. And yeah. um, uh, we also have a solo venture that I went on to get through. But um, um, hopefully you guys are out there getting after it when you can. And hopefully in our little um, telling of um, just day one of our latest hunt, there's something to learn from you, whether that's get to the spot early or um, something about elk behavior or finding spots. But um. Uh, fun for us to chat about guys and if you if you enjoy the show you you need to let us know somehow so uh reach on out email um tell uh, uh instagram is where i'm most active um but even even shooting us a little review there but um tons of fun jeremy man i love getting in the woods with you and i even love after the fact uh talking a little junk afterwards yeah it's always fun to recap because you kind of think that it forces you to think about it a little bit more too and, and put a dialogue in your head right well and i would tell you helps you learn yeah, and maybe one thing I would think of that was super interesting is um, well, we can talk more about it. Well, we'll get into it, I guess, on the next one when we get into the second day hunt because uh, that one that one snort we heard, um, we found out, I think, what it was. Um, yeah, I think so. But we'll get into that on the next one, guys. But um, upward, onward, um, uh, get your late season hunt on, boys and girls, and... Um, you know, appreciate every moment of it, even if it is sleeping in your Jeep or your rig. Um, there's, <laughs> there's <laughs> getting a kink in your back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's fun to be had. Well, um, we appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And um, Jeremy, man, uh, as always, uh, we'll keep in touch and um, take it easy, brother. Yeah, you too, brother. Uh, God bless America.